So we continue together delving into the mitzvah of Amunah. This is our third time, um, hopefully getting deeper and gaining more clarity. First time we spoke about the notion of Amunah and Yediyah, how they're both necessary. And we left off the first session defining Amunah as not faith, but faithfulness, a commitment, a drive, a devotion to the truth of the uh, reality of Hashem. It's not just a vague or uh, intangible belief, but it's a faithfulness, it's a commitment. <clears throat> but we still left off with the two basic questions, the massive philosophical issues of how do you command Amuna? How do you make me feel this loyalty? If I don't believe, you telling me I have to is not going to make a difference. And the other question was, it's so complicated, it's so incredibly complex, and therefore how do we command little children to have this level of hachlata, uh, of, of conviction, if even the greatest scientists are somewhat mesupic? Many of them claim they don't know, and some are even atheists. So the answer we gave last time, and this is slightly different than Rav Hanan Wasserman, um, we're not going to have time to delve into the nuances. I think uh, they're very subtle. But the answer we gave last time is really based on a piece from Rav Scheinberg, where he explained that Amuna, this faithfulness, is not something that needs to be acquired or created, but rather it's something within us intrinsically. Every neshama that was at Kalal Yisrael, which means all of us, we were Zoha, we received the Amuna Beteva as part of our, of our DNA. It, it comes naturally to us. And therefore, the mitzvah of Amuna is not the acquisition, but it's the discovery, the bringing out of those feelings within us. And therefore, Scheinberg writes, Im Kain ein kan just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu can give us a tzivui on other mitzvos, the same thing is true when it comes to Amunah. The obligation of having Amunah is bringing it from the potential and actualizing it. Scheinberg quotes the Orachayim, where he says, We're going to delve into this today. But the Orachayim is a sefer composed by the Yaivitz. He writes that the Amuna is strengthened through the actions of mitzvos. What that does is, That brings the faithfulness from the potential and it actualizes it. Scheinberg says that theoretically you could have two different people. One knows, the, uh, knows that there is a precedent, which nowadays is not so posh. <laughs> there is, who is it? We don't know, maybe we do. And you have the second person not only is aware that there is a manhig, there is a leader of the country, but I actually know him well. He's my father-in-law and we schmooze often. So explains with Scheinberg, that's the difference between 
an intellectual idea where you might know that there is a creator of the universe, but the knowledge, the, the closeness, the amuna, that's only when you actually have a relationship with the manhig. And that's what we're striving for. Not something we need to create, but something we have to cultivate and bring out. Now what I'd like to do today is suggest a few different ways as to how we actually do this. How do we tap into that wellspring of Amuna and make it more, more real to us? So the first approach is within the same letter of Scheinberg. He says, this is the uh, paragraph starting Benimza on page 11. One way of cultivating Amuna is through the fulfillment of mitzvos, which is somewhat counterintuitive because we would assume that I'll be more into the mitzvos when I have Amuna. And the more Amuna I have, the more motivation I'll have to do the mitzvos. But he says the truth is it works in the opposite direction as well. That through being Makayim the mitzvos, that somehow has the ability to bring out the amuna which is within us. And to try to stay away from the foreign philosophies or ideas that can only serve as a way of destroying or poisoning, or poisoning the, uh, the true amuna we have within us. And therefore his conclusion is that avodas ha'adam, when it comes to defining what is the mitzvah of Amuna, Avodah Sa'adam is rak lishmur emunoso. It's not about gaining Amuna, but it's guarding the Amuna that's within us. Ulahotsiya mikoach elapoel, and to be proactive in bringing it from the potential into the real world, all yaday kiyum ha mitzvos. And again, he points out, we do that through the fulfillment of mitzvos. Anybody like to suggest the Pshadon of Scheinberg? How is it that... Do it's true also in marriage and in children. The more you do for your spouse and children, the more you love and care for them. And it's like a common marriage advice thing, but it's true. When you are invested and you do for them, the love and relationship Okay, beautiful. The beat is saying that we find in relationships that even though there might be some friction or some distance between us, the more I can do actions of love, right, to steal the line from uh, Stephen Covey, love is a verb. So the more I can do actions of love, that will engender the love. Every mitzvah I do is really, this is an action that, by definition, is an expression of my faith. It's an expression of my love and commitment. It's a manifestation of, of what I feel is true. Now, I might have some sveikos right now. There might be issues that I'm grappling with. But doing more of those actions that come from Amuna, that's a way of strengthening Amuna. Is he also saying that there's like inherently perfect Amuna with, within us? And it's like that shmutz stuff and we just have to... So that, that's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. Inherently, we have perfect amuna, amuna shlema within the neshama. The question is, how do we dust off the shmutz and how do we bring it from the koach to the poel? This is one suggestion. We're going to see more about this in the stipler. Now, not to forget, last week we ended off with revolva. 
and this is probably the most Pashib shot. How are we Machazik Amuna? How do we create, like he spoke about, the roots of the tree to be firmly rooted? That's through engaging in more Yediyah, not philosophical debates, not getting involved with uh, discussions that are clearly above and beyond human comprehension. Thank you so much. Ah, oh, delicious, Gershon. Beautiful. So it almost, it almost sounds like the way the Emunah is being defined is it's the, it's the drive to continue going and doing and acting as opposed to the philosophical context of I believe. I think that's a good definition. It's that constant drive. It's, it's a commitment. It's a loyalty to this truth not just as a statement of fact, right? A proclamation of belief, but it's something I'm devoting my life to. That devotion of one's life, that mesiris nefesh for this truth, that's a muna. Question, Yehuda. Um, this concept of that I have this name, Yehuda, that this concept of Great question. The reason why I'm repeating the questions is because Dr. Lander, all of a sholem, right, he would always listen to the shirim online during COVID, and he would always give me this piece of advice when he heard the Sunday morning shirim. He would always give me good critique, what he enjoyed, what he felt needed more work. But he said, the one thing is, Rabbi, when somebody asks a question, you've got to make sure to repeat the question so we know what you're responding to. <laughs> so who is asking the question, where does this innate amuna come from? Is it something metaphysical, part of the neshama, or is it more of a practical, logical basis? I'm opening my eyes in an honest way, and obviously there's design, there's a creator. I think the answer is both. They're both true. Rav Scheinberg is focusing more on the, the mystical aspect of it. He's really quoting from a tshuva Sarambam. The Rambam writes in his, uh, in his letter that every neshama has ingrained within it the amuna based on the experience of Har Sinai. And that's definitely a mystical concept. So because my neshama was at Har Sinai, going through that, that connection with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, that has, has etched within the Neshama forever, in all different Gilgulim, the bedrock of Moon and Hashem. Rav Chodon Wasserman, who we did not see inside, we mentioned his questions, we didn't see how he addresses the answer, but he takes more of your approach, which is, the foundation of a Moon is the fact that it's simple. And we didn't mention this idea last week, the only reason why sometimes it's confusing is because we allow the negias to get in the way. We have a bias, we have an indoctrination based on secular culture, or based on a different religious culture. So ultimately they're both true. Mystically and logically, we do feel there is that foundation within us. Question, Eliza. Yeah, I'm just wondering about pre uh Har Sinai, so we're saying that people's in the shallows, uh, the descendants of Abraham they kind of have to work for it, and then afterwards it's a method. Is that the idea? 
That's a great question. You're saying the Navkamina between Rav Scheinberg and Rav Chanan Wasserman is the pre Har Sinai world. Right, according to Rav Scheinberg, based on the Chuvas Rambam, we didn't yet have that stamp on the Neshama. You know, that's a good point. And I think likely that's true. What? There will be another Navkamina, yes. That happens to be Rav Chanan Wasserman in his essay, also gets involved with, with the non-Jewish world. Happens to be seven and a half billion of them, right? <laughs> so where does their Amunah come from? The answer is clearly not from the Harsinai experience. So I think there's two very good points. Before Mount Sinai and for every other human being where they didn't have an Neshama that was part of that, the answer is Rav Hanan Wasserman. We do believe there is a basic logic that one if he looks at life without bias and without uh, any other factors confusing his lenses, there is a truth, there is a simplicity to the existence of a Bariolo. Doesn't everybody go back to Adam I mean, the fact that Adam Arishan was well aware of God, it sounds like that doesn't necessarily create this DNA, the God gene, right? It, it was more the, uh, the Harsinai experience. But I want to jump into the letter of the stipler. <clears throat> he speaks about the, uh, this is on page 12. If it's so simple, why is it so confusing, <laughs> right? If it's so clear, why do so many people grapple with this? So, there are two categories of those who struggle with the moon. The first one is Rahmana Litzlana Kofer, one who clearly denies the existence of God. If one claims to be an atheist, and their definition of atheism is, I know that there is nothing beyond us, says the stipler, you are just plain old stupid. Tipshus Gemura. There is no reason to ever come to that conclusion. How in the world do you have the audacity to come to the conclusion that I know for sure there's nothing beyond what I can see and what I can know based on my senses or based on my education? That's just tipshus gemura. So how do we still have human beings who claim to be an atheist? So he explains, Sorry, go back to the end of the first paragraph. These are people who are categorized as Rishoyim. But they think to climb into their mind that the Seichel, the intellect, brought them to this place. But explains the stipler, this has no shaykhist to seichel. This is not based on you trying to claim intellectual honesty. This is based on a ruach hatuma, on a spirit of impurity. This has nothing to do with the mind. It has everything to do with the heart. He says, I'm not going to waste time speaking about this category of atheists. Because first of all, it's not common amongst people who are Shomer Torah Mitzvos and Kol Shekein Belom Torah and for sure those who are engaged in, in Limit HaTorah. 
However, what is more common within people who are from Julius Mesopic is that sometimes a person will have questions, they'll have Sveikos. Bilti Mamin, Bilti Mamin, Bilti Kofer, where they might not categorize themselves as a full believer, but they're also not going to claim they're an atheist. You would call that agnostic. person says, I'm not sure. So where does that come from? If it's within the neshama, it's part and parcel of who we are. Why are we not sure? Ki nefesh mitohora yeshle amuna shlema mipas or hatora hameyer bo. So again, like Rav Scheinberg, the nefesh hatohora. Intrinsically, there's a purity of amuna shlema. Vigam ki amuna yerusha lonu meavoseinu. It's actually Yerusha, it's part of the inheritance, the spiritual inheritance, the Yisrael ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. Iker ha'gorim be'muna, but the main factor as to why I might have doubts in my emuna, hu ha'gaiva, is based on a sense of arrogance. Now, we have to read this very carefully, because when he says gaiva, usually that word is, is used as a judgmental term. Right? You're just a Baal Gaiva. But here he's, he's using it in a broader context. The Gaiva, he says, a sense of me being the center of my universe, of me only feeling comfortable with that which I could see and touch. He says, Lafisha Adam Tavua Murgal Mialduso, the Naruso Gaiva. Generally speaking, children are raised with the Midah of Gaiva. Right? Everything they need, everything they want, their whole experience, their whole reality and relationship with those around them is give me what I need. And therefore there is a sense of entitlement and that could translate into arrogance. The Cholzman Shashaku Sagaiva, and as long as one allows himself to stay saturated in the Midah Sagaiva, then that's when we have Sveikos. Now, I have to share a caveat here. It doesn't mean, right, a young man comes to you, Rebbe, I'm having Sveikos in my Amuna. There's certain things that are really hard for me to, uh, to fully believe. And you respond back, you know why? Because you're a Baal Gaiva, <laughs> right? You're an arrogant young man. Get out of my office. That's not what the stipler is suggesting. There are real sincere questions that real sincere people can and will have. He's getting very deep with us and he's saying oftentimes the shorish of a question is some level of gaiva. Not that it's even my fault. I was raised this way. I'm a product of my environment. I'm, I'm given and, and I'm loved so much that it's hard not to feel gaiva, but the gaiva serves as a blockage to that inherent amuna. It has been tried and tested. If there's a moment in your life where somehow you can have that breakthrough, that you realize you're really nothing even though you know, the world was created for you, but, but you're nothing more than anybody else. You're also one of these tiny microscopic human beings in the, in the vast universe. 
In that moment of clarity, all doubts of Amuna leave. I happen to think this is the, the lumdus behind the phrase, there's no atheist in a foxhole. How does that work? I could be a, a very, very stark atheist. <clears throat> My grandfather, Oliver Sholom, used to carry around with him a card a card that he belonged to an atheist association. Right? I could be a proud atheist. But if there's a moment of fear where somehow all of that illusion could melt away, then the clarity is right there in front of my face. So if the person's on a plane, it reminds me of the Journey song, right? What's it called again? Atheist convention in LA, always choosing LA as the, the source of all tumba, you know? It's a blue state. But the uh, atheist convention, I'm on my way, and now there's crazy turbulence. So I, turning to God is not so, uh, not so surprising, because whatever sense of gaivo that was there before, or chashivas I gave to myself and my, my perception of the world, as soon as that melts away, in that moment, everything is clear. It's not as some would argue that, okay, now you're turning to God because you heard that when you were young and, and in Hebrew school and it was kind of on the back of your mind. Really, you know there's no such thing, but because you're so afraid, so you'll just scream out to God because you have nothing else better to do. The stifler says that's not pshat. Pshat is, it melts away the gaiva, it melts away the illusion, and I see with clarity, when I'm speaking to God, I'm not fooling myself, even though I've been claiming for the last 20 years I don't believe in God. I'm speaking directly to Him. Question, Jake. Yeah, when we discuss, in all of these, in all of the discussions so far today, is that discussing only a Buddha in the existence of Hashem as a creator and Mashiach, or is it also including... I mean, can't be including Emunah in the Torah, that the Torah was given in the Holy Great question. Great question. When we're talking about Emunah, are we talking about just believing in the existence of, of a Bori and a Manhig? Or are we talking about all of the pillars of Emunah, namely Torah Misinai, Sechar right? Again, this could be based on the, uh, I don't want to say Machlokis, but the different approaches of Rav Scheinberg and the Stipler in contrast to Rav Chonor Wasserman. Namely, right, Ruvachanin would say, everything is intellectual. And in his piece, he actually goes as far as to suggest not only is the belief in the Bariolam something that we know intuitively, based on logic, but that leads us to Torah Misinai, that leads us to Scharva Onesh, and that even leads us to a Geula Asida. That can all be arrived at in a purely logical way. That's the approach of Rilchanan Wasserman. Rav Scheinberg and the Stiplers seem to be saying all of these things are within the DNA. Perhaps you could argue, and Rav Scheinberg even says this, he says, perhaps you could argue, purely intellectually speaking, maybe it would be hard to make some of those, uh, those stage one of Amun and Hashem to stage two to Torah Misinai to Geula Asida, it could be some of those steps along the way are not so pushed intellectually, or at least not to the point where you could say with certainty, I know this is true, but that's, that's embedded in the Amuna. So I think it depends how you're viewing it, but either way, it's within us.
Well, it is both. It's just a question of what are they focusing on more. And again, the nafkamina would be, right, any human being who's non-Jewish or humanity before Matan Torah. But I don't want to get too academic here. The stipler is telling us he is so gadol that gaiva, and again, doesn't mean to be judgmental, but feeling that I know or feeling that everything I know must be true, that's the greatest blockage to having a, a, a connection with that amuna shalema within me. Okay, so how do we get to that amuna? So he says as follows, this is the second paragraph on page 13. Kavar Marti, I've already said in uh, different places we saw in the Chayolam, he speaks about this. One should not become too anxious or concerned about the thoughts or the svekos that he's going through, which is very difficult because you have a kid who's raised in a from home and everything has been taught to him from a young age, and this is what we believe and this is what we, we think, and now you're having uh, doubts. So it's hard not to view yourself as a total and complete Russia. You're only a total and complete Russia if you're a Kofer Baker. Because that's Tifshus Gemorah, that's based on the impurity of the Neshama. But that's not our struggle. Our struggle is we have Sveikos. So don't, don't become too afraid. It's normal, we're human, we're living in a world where religion and God often is painted as a childlike, uh, primitive thing. And those who are more educated and sophisticated usually uh, look down at all those religious people. So don't get too uh, concerned. Rock, what should you do? Lasok b'Torah u'b'shmirasa b'diktu ha-mitzvos v'zehirus mi'isurim. One should engage in Torah study and kiyum ha-mitzvos b'diktuk, being medaktek in the kiyum ha-mitzvos. So the second thing you're saying is very similar to Rav Scheinberg. The idea of even though me feeling attached to mitzvahs is based on amuna, it also enhances the amuna. It brings it out mikoach elapoel. But he adds raklasok b'torah, being engaged not just limud hatorah but lasok b'torah, really getting into limud hatorah. That's life changing. That brings amuna mikoach elapoel. That's the famous chazal. Our kaddish baruch who says. Halavai osi ozvu. You know what? You're having svekos. You're not feeling so uh, connected to me right now. Halavai osi ozvu. If only you would just forget about me. Don't worry about your svekos. The Torosi shamoru. Just make sure you're learning Torah well. Shehaor shaba machzirim lemutav. Because the light within the Torah will bring you back to me. Now again, all of these ideas are within the world where we don't need to create it, we have to bring it out. Because you could argue, if I don't believe, so how is learning Torah going to make any difference? I have questions based on uh, what I learned in philosophy class, or based on what I learned in, uh, in, in my evolution class, and how does that stim? And these are all good, holy questions to explore. But if we believe it's really within us, the Stipler and Rosheinberg are saying, get into the stream of life jump into the deep end of Limud HaTorah, and he goes on to explain, it might take some time. This is not like a pill, take one of these and you're going to feel great in the morning. 
right? You'll be plagued by these Svekos perhaps for weeks or months or years. But this is the greatest refuel we have. Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi He also adds another idea, which is not just being medactic in mitzvot in general, but being medactic in Shmira Shabbos. There's something very unique, Hilinian Kodosh Venoira, when it comes to Shabbos and the Kedusha that that can infuse within the human being. We say in Shabbos we have a Neshama Yisera. What is the definition of Neshama Yisera? Huh? No idea. No idea. Okay. Neshama Yisera is usually translated as an extra Neshama, right? Another soul. But many Rishonim say that's not Pshat. Neshama Yisera means I have more of a soul. There's an expansion of the Neshama. Throughout the week, it's a bitzimtzum. It's, 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 you know, kind of closed in. Neshama Yaseira comes out in Shabbos, so explains a stipler. The, the Kedusha of Shabbos, the Kedusha within, during Shabbos, if we're medactic in the, in the essays and the losa essays, that also can be very powerful in bringing out a muna. What's that? 5G connection. The what? It's a 5G connection. 5G connection. What does that mean? 5G? Internet, internet. Oh, 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 yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the machine. The, okay. <laughs> now, this is a very difficult thing practically. Because someone have, it's very circular, right? Because somebody having these issues, now I, I'm, I'm grappling with the fact that this whole thing maybe doesn't make sense to me. And now you're telling me that the antidote is to is to delve more into the thing that you're having doubts exactly. about. It's, it's, it's incredibly circular, right? So I, 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 think the, I think the analogy, like Davida was suggesting, is the relationship. I'm, I'm having doubts. If I would have felt this way 26 years ago, I'm not sure I would have married you, right? So what is the therapist telling me? Okay, so in the meantime, as you're trying to figure yourself out, don't buy her flowers for Shabbos. Don't say I love you. You know, don't, don't show any sign of, of affection. You know, you know she has uh, this love language and that love language, but just totally ignore the love language for now. Try to figure out where you're holding in the relationship, and then hopefully you'll be able to approach her with more sincerity and really connect with her. Lozu haderech. The derech is... All of those things that don't feel so natural, or I might not even have a real interest in doing right now because I feel the distance and there's a mechitza between us, the way to break down the mechitza, assuming that there is a foundation, and that's our assumption here. The assumption is there is a foundation. So even though right now I'm not feeling it, and I'm a supik, and there's so many doubts flying through my mind, but the way to bring out the commitment is through acting based on the commitment. So it's circular, but it sounds like it's very powerful. Yeah, Jake. The problem with that approach is that if you say anything, this is exactly what you say. Say anything to a person who's arguing with you, and they just go, well, that's exactly what the cult sounds like. But the more you get, that's exactly what you know. The more you serve, the better you'll, you know. I think there are the same thing about the relationship model that there has to be an assumed that this is good for me. 
you know, yes, I'm only going to keep going into it even though I have these figures. That's good for me. But the, the question then comes back, meaning we're going to go into the figures. You have to build that. You have to let that person have to agree to that assumption. Okay, so beautifully said, right? Jake is pointing out, theoretically, if we were sitting together all wearing the Nike sneakers, remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> right? Theoretically, you know, the cult leader could be saying the same thing. I understand you have questions and, you're, and you're, you're not so sure about the spaceship coming when I said it would. Just keep on plugging away. You wear those Nikes when you're sleeping. You're going to be okay. You'll feel it eventually, right? Oh, so, so, so that's why it's so incredibly necessary, right, to take the Rav Hanan Wasserman approach. And like Revolba said, we need to be la'ames, to make it true. To make it true, that's where the idea factor comes in. Right, so what we're describing now is the Muna, but the idea factor is, why intellectually does this make sense? Will that by itself carry the day? Not necessarily. Right? We need the going through the motions of the Amuna to bring in Mikoach HaPoel, but without the idea, as long as the, the firm life is comfortable and, and it's working for me, and even if I have Sveikos, but you know what? It makes enough sense to keep on going, you'll keep on going. But as soon as the firm life is not so comfortable, or I can't fit in really to uh, the large segment of, of of people in my age group based on whatever factors of living in this community or having this relationship. So then, if I don't have the idea, I don't have that, that firmly rooted feeling that this makes sense intellectually, the wind's going to blow me down. So that's why it's so crucial to have both together, and that was really the main thrust of Revolba. Yes? Very, very important point, it, right. Right, meaning that the distinction between a classic cult approach versus a search for truth is do we allow and encourage questions, right? Obviously, we know our, our Mesorah, our legacy, is that questions are sacred. And no one here is telling us you should never have a question, you should never have a doubt. To be a kofer, to claim you know for sure that there's no such thing as a bariolam, that that's stupid. But to have questions and sveikos, it's very natural. And we're giving eights how to deal with them. Very good point. You have a second point also? That was it. That was it, okay. I, I want to read to you quickly an email I received from... Uh, you know, I don't have it on your papers. I just photocopied it for myself. Rabbi Michael Allen, the father-in-law of Brian Kramer after hearing uh, last week's shir, sent me the following email, where uh, he says, My grandfather, who was not Jewish, was the smartest person I ever knew in my life. Not time to expand further, but I'd love to at some point. My grandfather was a professor of electrical engineering and actually met Einstein in graduate school. 
My grandfather was not religious. He told me that at about 15 years old, he had read the Bible. He found it ridiculous. And that was the end of his being a Christian. When I was about 10, he told me, you should know, though, that I'm not an atheist. Atheists say there is no God. That's ridiculous. How can they know something like that? I am also, though, not agnostic. Agnostics admit they don't know. But then they say that they can't know. How do they know they can't know? I know that I don't know, but I certainly don't know if I could know. (laughs) Right? Which I think is a very insightful point. That even within the world of being an agnostic, to say there's no way to find out. I'm a supik, I have doubts, but it's impossible for someone to get clarity because that's well above and beyond us. So that's also tipshus, and that's also an extreme form of gaiva. You're telling me you know that it's impossible to know? Right? So this is the, uh, the stipler, and it sounds like Rabbi Allen's grandfather was really machave to the stipler to a large degree. I want to conclude here um, by jumping to page 14. This is also somewhat of a roundabout approach, but again, with the idea as an anchor, this is another very powerful way of bringing out the Amuna within us. This is based on the Pasuk in Yirmiya where he says, Ki is halel is halel. If you want to feel proud about anything, this is the one thing to feel some level of healthy, healthy gaida, gaiva. Haskel v'yado osi. If you understand me, Ki ani Hashem chesed Ki If you know me, that I do, chesed mishpat utzedaka, and these are the things that I want, then you could feel proud of yourself. So somewhat of a vague pasuk. But the Rebbe Yona explains in Perkyavos that there's no way to have any real comprehension of the midos of Hashem, namely chesed, tzedakah, mishpat, right, compassion, justice, truth, if one is not living that lifestyle him or herself. Aliza and I had this conversation this week trying to track down the story of Bertrand Russell, right? We're teaching philosophy and uh, being involved with all sorts of things that were not so moral. He was able to tell his class that if I was teaching geometry, would I have to be a triangle? I don't have to live what I'm teaching. I could still be a wonderful professor. But explains there, Ben that's not the case. The only way to really understand chesed, hatava, rachamim, is through becoming a person who lives that way. What does this have to do with Amuna? To believe in God is much more than just believing in the existence of a Boreolam. But like we said, it, it's connecting with the, the reality of Hashem. If I have no concept and no connection with the midos of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, then it becomes very difficult to bring out mikoach el poel. The more godly I become, the more I relate to that reality and the more faithfulness I'm able to have. Because it's, it, it's so real to me. 
It's not just something I'm preaching or teaching, but I'm, I'm living it, and therefore I could feel Hashem's existence more in my life. It's a very deep, subtle point, but it's very powerful. This is the connection between becoming more of a mensch and becoming more of a maimin. Right? Those things go hand in hand. The Chazanish writes, based on the same idea from Yermia, he says that, I'm going to read the English together here. Imagine the honor of a person who, through constant labor, has managed to restrain his unrefined tendencies completely. He no longer struggles with anger, with rage, doesn't have hatred or hostility, doesn't need to take revenge or bear a grudge, has no aspirations for kavod, for honor, and no desire for meaningless pleasures. Imagine somebody like the Chazanish, right? Just as the mind of this sublime person is straight and his opinions are true, so even his non-logical thinking will always decide in the favor of truth. And his heart accepts the truth of Hashem's existence without any hesitation, with no doubt, for his heart always sees the glow beyond the natural reality. In recognizing the existence of his Creator, he finds the solution to the mystery of the entire world, that mystery that gave him no rest. What is the Chazanish saying? That there's two levels of coming to a, a, a deeper hakar of Hashem through emulating Hashem. One is like the Rebbe Yonah teaches us. The more I feel the truth within me, the, the more I can relate to the source of that truth. And the Chazanish is telling us, the more of an ish yasher we become, the more I'm, I'm, I'm living where, where I'm able to be shover, I could break through all the different midos that are holding me back, the more supernatural I become as a human being, the more sublime I become. So then all of that narishkeit, all of the, the fuzz and the fog of, uh, of the world around me fades away, and I see with clarity the existence of the Bariola. So a lot of these ideas are pushing us, pushing us in the direction where as we refine ourselves, our diktuk and mitzvos, our asik and limit haTorah, our, our tikkun hamidos, the more godly we become, the more loyal we become, the more the question is no longer so bothersome because I see it, I feel it. One last point here we're going to call it a day, which is the power of tefillah. Why would you daven well? Because you believe in God, and you believe that He's listening to my tefillah. But again, right, using this circular logic, even if I'm having sveikos right now, which as the stipler told me, I'm not going to kill myself for having sveikos, I'm not going to put myself down, this is natural, part of the course of life, but by engaging fully in tefillah, by trying to, to focus, to come on time, to give myself enough time to say things in a meaningful way, that's not just a, manifest, a manifestation of the amuna, but that brings out the amuna. Because the more I'm acting with love towards my spouse, the more I'm acting with amuna, the more that has the ability to bring out the amuna. In the words of Nachman Breslov, and there's many, many other sources to this idea from non-exotic places as well, but it's always fun to quote Nachman Breslov if you can, right? 
Last but not least, we should daven for Amuna. I have here a tefillah in the back on page 15. Davening that a Kaddish Baruch Hu should help us in Amuna, which is also so counterintuitive and so circular, but with the foundation, with the idea, with the knowledge that I, I know this is where it's at, but I'm having a hard time getting there, I'm going to turn to you, and even as I'm speaking to you, I might have certain pangs of doubt. But the more I could speak to you and ask for siyata d'shmaya in the Amuna process, the more that will bring me mikoach elapoel. Many different ideas, many different thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful day.